0: Uh, so hopefully you'll see the connection. You know, as we leave the old year, I feel certain that all of us can think of some things that, you know, that we could have and should have done, done better. I don't think anybody would be so proud as to say, nope, got it, perfect, nailed it, you know, no room for improvement. And as we look toward the... The new year, uh, hopefully we would all be able to say we, we want things to, to be better. By that, I mean we want to do better. Uh, we don't want to fail where we failed before and so forth. And so uh, hopefully as we exit the old year, as we enter the new year, it'll be a, with a desire on our heart to walk wisely in all things and to do that. It's always helpful to have good examples. And over the years, especially around the Christmas season, I've, uh, I've preached a lot of different sermons uh, uh, associated with Christmas and people that served as examples. You know, like most pastors, I've preached uh, messages about uh, Mary and what a great example she was, and Joseph, uh, and the shepherds. And I preach messages about wise men. Uh, But this morning, I'm going to bring a message uh, that I've never heard and I've never preached before. And that is a message about the three wise women. Not the three wise men. You've heard about them. But we're going to talk this morning about the three wise women. All of them are found in the Gospel of Luke. And so if you'll turn there... To chapter number one, Luke chapter number one, someone I mentioned earlier what the title of the message was going to be, and I won't say who it was, but someone suggested the title might ought to be, Believe It or Not, (laughs) The Three Wise Women. And I said, I don't have that much courage to do that, so it 's kind of like the time I got in trouble for telling a dumb blonde joke, you know uh, some people just don 't have a sense of humor, so we 're going to talk about the three wise women and uh, leave it there and you know and the fact of the matter is when you really look at this at the story, these women played a much greater role in our savior 's birth than the wise men did, and I say that because the Uh, The wise men, whether there were three or more, uh, the wise men brought gifts to the Lord. But these three wise women, they presented themselves as a gift unto God. And there's a big difference in giving yourself and in giving something to the Lord. And believe me, the Lord wants you. The Lord wants you, because when he has you, he'll have everything else that you're able to offer to him. And when we look at these three women, this trio of holy women, we learn a lot about uh, the kind of people that Godly uses. Now, you might have already guessed that the first one that we're going to consider is here in Luke chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse number 26. And of course, it has to do with Mary. Verse number 26, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that are highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. Now, we'll read more in just a little bit here, but I want you to notice that the most obvious thing about God choosing Mary is the fact that she was used as a vessel, and it becomes very apparent that uh, there was a reason why he chose her. And I want you to think about her character here in verse 27 and verse number 28. And, you know, although God chooses to use sinful human beings, God doesn't just use anyone. In other words, this was not by chance that God decided to use Mary, but it was a choice. And that choice was based on her character. There was a reason. The Apostle Paul spoke about you know, the kind of people that we ought to be as servants of the Lord. In Second Timothy 2 verse 21, he said, We ought to be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. So although just a mortal woman, uh, she was a model woman. She wasn't just an average woman, but she was a woman that had maintained her purity. She is a virgin espoused to a husband by the name of Joseph. And and believe it or not, although God will save the worst among us, the vilest of sinners can be saved. If you want God to use you, it's going to depend greatly upon your character. Sometimes, you know, we look at the qualifications for pastors and for deacons, and we think, you know, well, that's what God expects of them, but, you know, I have a license, you know, to live otherwise. In other words, God doesn't expect from me what He expects of the pastor and what He expects of the deacons. Whenever the Lord lays down those qualifications for pastors and deacons, those are the ideals for every church member. That's While it is required for pastors and deacons, it's desired for all of God's people. So he doesn't tell us that we're, you know, to live by one standard and it's okay that you live by another standard. Your character counts with God. And so whenever the Lord decided to choose a woman to bring his son into this world, he chose a woman with character. Now, look at verse number 29, and we're going to see not only her character, but her call. Verse 29 says, And when she saw him, that is the angel, she was troubled at his saying, well, no doubt, and cast in her mind uh, what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb... And bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Now verse 32, And he shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Now being a Jew, Mary was very familiar with the Old Testament prophecies related to the coming of the Messiah. She knew what Isaiah had said about a virgin bringing forth a son. She knew that God had given this promise. But it's one thing to know that God's going to do that someday with someone, but it's another thing when all of a sudden an angel from heaven appears and says, Mary, you're the one. You are the one that I have chosen for this mission. You are the vessel. And this is the manner in which God uses Mary. He is using her as a vessel to bring himself, as it were, into this world. Now, that's the choice. That is the call that God has made. But we see the call was made on the basis of her character But notice her consecration, verse 34. How does she respond to this call? Because, you know, it might be, if you really think it through, it might be like Moses was in regards to Aaron whenever he suggested to the Lord, Lord, here am I, send Aaron. You know, yeah. Get somebody else to do it. I'm just not up to a task like this. And Mary said unto the angel, verse 34, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee, and therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Well, the story goes on. And behold thy cousin Elizabeth, We're going to have another woman enter the picture in just a little bit. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. Now here it is. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. I remember preaching a sermon entitled, The Model Mother. And of course, this was the text for the message. And this was Mary's message. This was her response to the Lord's call upon her life. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. In other words, she's saying, Lord, I'm willing to make my humanity available that you can manifest your deity through me. That ought to be the attitude of every single one of us. Amen. That we make our humanity available that others might see Christ in and through us. And so here we see that this not only was something that was required of her to be consecrated to that call, whatever the call is. Jesus said, whatever it is, be it unto me according, notice unto thy word. Lord, whatever you want for my life, I'm ready for it. I believe that that your will is right, that it's best, that it's the wisest course of action. And let me tell you, all of that took courage. When you think about what she was subjecting herself to, think about all of the problems that it produced. I I mean, how in the world is she going to explain to her family, to her friends, to Joseph? Uh, Imagine that. Going back and telling Joseph, you know, well, we've got a problem here. Uh, You know, uh, I'm going to have a baby. And, And automatically his first thought is what? Well, she's cheated on me. And she's got to go confront Joseph. I mean, how is she going to explain this away? But she was willing to risk her reputation. She's willing to risk her relationship to do the will of God. You know, Joseph could have said, in fact, you read the story and Joseph was minded to put her away privately. In other words, you know, he thought there was a case of unfaithfulness and he was going to just give her a bill of divorcement, which at that time during that period of the betrothal that he had a right to do had she been unfaithful. And then the angel appeared and and assured him that Joseph, look, you don't have anything to worry about. I'm using I'm using your espoused wife as my vessel to bring the Messiah into the world. And so think about, she's willing to risk that relationship. She's willing to subject herself to the unkind comments by those in the community. She's willing to subject herself here to the discomforts of pregnancy subject herself to all of those discomforts that go along with carrying a child to term and then all of the hardships of motherhood. And add to that the fact that she was willing to face Herod's wrath and, and to take the child and flee to Egypt. I mean, you put all of that together and all of that is involved in her making her commitment to God. That, Lord, be it unto me according to your word, whatever it is. I'm willing to go through any and all of those things if that's what you want me to do. And my question for you is, does the will of God mean that much to you? Now, I know God's not going to use you you in the same way that He used Mary. I understand that. But He uses vessels in other ways. And He wants you to be a vessel unto honor, to manifest Himself to others. And so many times we're not willing to make that commitment because of the problems that we anticipate well, you know, if I really get serious about serving God, all my friends are going to leave me. No, none of your friends will leave you for that reason. Had they been friends to start with, they'll stay right there with you through it all. And all it does is to reveal how they really feel about you. Anybody? Anybody that would leave you because of the fact that you're determined to serve God with all of your heart, they're the one with the problem, not you. And so don't think about all the difficulties associated with serving God. You better think about the difficulties encountered as a result of disobeying God. So here the first wise woman is Mary, and she was used of God as a vessel. But she's not the only one because whenever we read on, We see that she has a cousin by the name of Elizabeth. Look at verse number 39 now, chapter 1, verse number 39. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost and she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. Now notice, and whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come unto me? And lo, as soon as the voice of the salutation sounded in mine ears, and the babe leaped in my womb for joy, and blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Now remember, this is Mary's cousin, the mother of John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And while God used Mary as a vessel... God uses Elizabeth as a verification. And you try to, you put yourself in Mary's shoes. And, and just being a human being like she was, naturally, even though she was submissive to the will of God, no doubt she's trying to run all of this through her mind. What are other people going to think? What are the difficulties I'm going to face? How am I going to get through all of this? And that's when Elizabeth and her come together at that crucial point in her life. And and let me tell you, if she ever needed a word of encouragement, it was right now. And Elizabeth comes on the scene, usually gets left out of the picture, just like a lot of folks that never get the credit that they deserve. And no sooner does Mary get to the house... And as she enters into the house and Elizabeth hears her voice and the babe leaps in her womb and, and automatically she responds to that. And she goes on and notice her awareness of everything that's going on. Here is a woman that, just like Mary, that was a Jew, a woman that that knew that the Messiah was going to be born, but her awareness goes further than that. Her awareness is to the extent that she knows that Mary is that chosen vessel. And she makes that announcement there in verse 42, verse 43, and verse 44. She is giving assurance and affirmation to Mary. And I suspect that's what Mary needed more than anything at that point in time. You know, there's a lot of times whenever we set out to do the will of God and automatically the devil will come along and try to to make us doubt as to whether we ought to really do that or not. I, I, I mean, I swear that whenever God called me to preach, I thought surely if God ever made a mistake, this has got to be this has got to be it, you know. I, I, I just absolutely could not believe that God would choose me. I, I mean, I'm the, I'm the fellow that wouldn't give a, an oral book report in, in high school. Teacher said, well, you'll get a failing grade. I said, you do what you've got to do, but I'm not getting up there in front of the class. So uh, I guess God touched her heart, and I got a D minus, and I graduated, not with honors, of course, but I made it through. So uh, how, how is God going to use someone like like me? And boy, there's nothing in the world more wonderful than uh, having somebody to really encourage you. We had, a, we had a music director at that time that was about that tall and about that wide, a wonderful man, I'll never forget Percy as long as I live, and just a wonderful man. And uh, he j- just made some remarks. I won't even repeat them, but he just made some remarks that, that just assured me that God really hadn't made any mistake whatsoever. God knew what He was doing. And whatever God called me to do, God would enable me to do. And the comments of that man stuck with me for the rest of my life. You, look, we don't have to be perfect to be used of God. In fact, God, you know, doesn't call us because of our brilliance, because of our great talent. He chooses those things, you know, the, the base things of this world, the things that are all are not and so forth. As Paul said, He, he, he chooses people that are so uh, ungifted, untalented, unable, that whenever there's even a little bit of success... You just have to look at it and say, boy, God did that. I sure can't attribute it anything to Him. It had to be something God did. So look, Mary's no doubt going through all of this, and if ever she needed a word of encouragement, it was right now, and it was right now that Elizabeth comes on the scene with a word from God, and God is using this vessel of the Lord to verify that yes, indeed, God is really in it, and God is going to bring to pass. As Paul said, He that began a good work in you will finish it. God's not going to start something that He doesn't finish. And I'm convinced this absolutely encouraged Mary. Aren't you glad for people like that in your life? For people that, that just continually verify whether they do it through quoting the scripture. It might be you're going through a hard time and they might just put their hand on your shoulder and say, look, I, I know that you know it, but I just want to remind you again, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord or the called according to his purpose. Or they might not even quote a scripture at all. They might just, you know, let, let, let you know I'm praying for you every day. Whatever it is, but however it is that God uses them, it's an encouragement to you. And just as you need those kind of people in your life, there are others that need you to be that in their life. Be what Elizabeth was to Mary, a means of verifying the fact that God is going to get you through this. God is going to use you. God is going to bless you. Well, that's uh, that's two of the three wise women. And another one enters into the scene if you look in chapter number 2. Chapter number 2, about 40 days have passed, and now Mary and Joseph have taken Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem there. And it says in verse number 21, And when eight days were accomplished, when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named to the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, They brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And he goes on and explains why. This was all as a result of what was required of them from the Old Testament. So there at the temple, they come in contact with two people. Simeon is the first one. And the second one is a woman by the name of Anna, verse 36. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of, Peniel of the tribe of Asher, and she was of great age and lived uh, lived with a husband uh, seven years from her virginity, and she was a widow of about four score and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to them that look for redemption in Jerusalem. And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned unto Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. Now, God used Mary as a vessel. God used Elizabeth as a means of verification But now here we see this other woman being used as a voice because what she experiences, she shares with all that she comes in contact with. And again, here's an amazing story. She's one of the few women in the Bible called a prophetess. And I You know, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about that, but that doesn't mean that she was a pastor of a church or any such thing. It meant that God gave her and enabled her to speak by divine inspiration His Word at the right time, the right place, and so on and so forth. God communicated with her so she could communicate with others. Her work, notice, her work Here in verse 36 and verse 37, she was married seven years. She becomes a widow for the rest of her life. Notice, 80 years, 84 years rather. You know, rather than getting bitter because of her husband's death, she dedicated her life to the Lord. In other words, that didn't stop her from serving God. She could have said, Lord, look, this is unfair. I've only been married seven years. It's just not fair. that you'd take my husband away and leave me. You know, a lot of people ruin any chance of ever being used of God because they get bitter over the disappointments in their life. But for 84 years now, this woman has been at the temple and day and night, and she could have used age as an excuse. She could have said, you know, Lord, I'm not as young as I used to be. I'm not able to get up and get around and do the things I used to do. And it's real easy for us to develop that mindset. You know, well, I'm getting older, I just you know I just can't do it anymore. And a lot of times we feel useless because of our age. And it's refreshing to find somebody that is willing and somebody that is able, even at her age, day and night. This is her work. She's just there at the temple, ministering, however, in the temple, letting God use her, however. And Notice verse 37, all of her work also involved worship because in verse number 37, it speaks here about the fact that she was not only a widow, but she served God, notice, with fasting and prayers night and day. This isn't something she did, you know, just on Sunday. This is something that involved every moment of her life, every day of the week. And, and and this is a reminder that serving God involves more than working for the Lord. It involves the worship of God. Amen. You know, we get everything sometimes out of balance, don't we? That Some people get really excited about worship. Boy, they love to worship. They love to sing all of the praise songs and so forth and lift their hands and shout hallelujah and so forth. But when it comes down to the nitty-gritty work of getting things done, they don't want any part of that. And there are others, you know, they, uh, they're willing workers for the Lord, but they just, you know, they're not into this worship thing. And look, they go together. Worship is the springboard, the inspiration for the work that we do for the Lord. And both of them go together, and both of them was involved in this woman's life. She was a worshiper of the Lord, a worker for the, for the Lord, and a witness. Look at verse 38 again, because here we see she witnessed. She says, and she coming in, that instant gave thanks unto the Lord and spake of Him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So here's a woman that is spreading the news, because she knows this child is the Christ child. This is the Messiah. This is the one that we've been longing for all of these years. This is the one that will bring redemption to God's people. And here is a life that she has devoted to the Lord and she is representing God and serving God as a voice. She was not a vessel in the sense that Mary was. She was not used of God necessarily as a verification of anything. God had already made that clear. I don't. The the child has already been born now. But she was a voice to sound out the good news of what had happened. A lot of times, you know, people will jump to conclusions that well, you know. I don't have the talent to be able to sing like brother Willie and so there's not, you know there's nothing for me to do to serve the Lord. I can't play a musical instrument or I can't preach like brother Preston or I can't do this and I can't do that. But look, we can all be a witness for the Lord. We can all speak of our Lord. he's given all of us the ability to do that and 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 even though God uses different people in different ways, there's no one They can just sit back and say, well, God doesn't have anything for me to do. God wants to use you. If you're a child of God, God wants to use you in some way. The only question is, how will you spend your life? As we look forward to this new year, do you have the attitude that Mary did? Lord, here, here I am. I'm your servant. Be it unto me according to thy word. Just whatever you want for my life. I'll never forget when I surrendered to preach, one of the things that I uttered to the Lord for some reason, Lord, even if you want me to go to California, I don't know why. I've always hated California, I guess. Even if you want me, I could have said China or what, but I said, Lord, even if it means packing up and moving to California, wherever you want me to serve, it doesn't make any difference. Because all I wanted to do was to be where God wanted me to be and doing what God wanted me to do. And all of us need to have that attitude. That ought to be the most important thing in our life. For God's will to be done. God wants to use you, whoever you are. And it might be that you'll, you've never been gifted to the Lord to have great musical abilities and things of that nature. God never called you to preach or anything, but God could use you just to be of an encouragement to somebody else. Because believe me, there are a lot of folks involved in the ministry of this church that that are not appreciated as they ought to be, that do not get the attention that they ought to get. Somebody um, inquired about somebody that's been missing now for several weeks and was uh, wondering about this person, and, uh, you know, naturally you wonder if something's wrong and so forth. And uh, But as we got to talking about that, it's the fact that I wonder how many are wondering about that particular person. And by the way, it's not just one person, but it's so easy for us to get so distracted with the things that we want to do that we just let others fall through the cracks and drop out of our life and, and so forth. And sometimes all they need is a word of encouragement. They don't need a sermon. Not that sermons are necessarily bad, but there's bad sermons, but you know... Sermons can be greatly encouraging, but that's not what some people need the most. They just need to know that there's somebody there that really does care about me, somebody that really does love me. And that connection sometimes is all that it takes to keep them going. And God wants to use you that way. And it might be that God, you know, wants to use you. In fact, I think I can say definitely He wants to use you as a voice. A voice that is representing Him in this old sin-cursed world. You see, this story isn't just about three women. This is a story about all of us. It's a story about God's plan for our life. And the fact that God wants to use us in some way, and sometimes, you know, we talk a lot about what we want for Christmas. I asked asked somebody just a while ago, what would you get for Christmas? I didn't get no answer, but anyway, uh, I was inquiring, what do you want for Christmas? Well, just about any kid wanted something for Christmas, right? Let me tell you what the Lord wants. The Lord wants you. But we get so caught up in what we want. And I'm not talking about Christmas. Now, I'm talking about life in general, what we want out of life. And, and I'm telling you, folks, it really shouldn't matter what we want out of life. It's what God wants out of life. And God wants you. And here we see three examples, three women that God used, three women that we're willing to be used of the Lord in whatever way. And my question is to you this morning, are you willing to let God decide what way that He'll use you? and just take your life like a blank piece of paper and just say, Lord, here, you're the great composer. You write your own composition. You write out your plan for my life, and I'll sign it. I'll commit to that. That's good enough for me. If that's what you want, I'm all in. And believe me, you'll never, ever regret making that decision in your life. But understand this, until first of all you come to know Christ as your Savior... There is no need in you trying to live up to God's standards. There's no reason for you to be thinking about, you know, how could God use me? Because the fact of the matter is, God is not trying to use you. God's trying to help you. What did Anna say? She went out and told others that the one The one bringing redemption to Jerusalem has come. And here He is. He's just a baby, but here He is. It has really happened. And I want you to know that what you need more than anything in all of the world is redemption. You you need a Savior. And Christ is everything you need. Have you trusted Him as your Lord and your Savior? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you died today that you'd go to be with the Lord? Here we are on the last day of this year. You know, there's a lot of memorable things as we look back over this last year. Good and bad. Things that no doubt will stick in our memory for years to come. But I'll guarantee you, if you trust Christ as your Savior this morning, this will be the highlight of your life. The day that you'll never, ever forget as long as you live. And it could happen. And if you're here and you've been saved, let God use you in whatever way He chooses. Just say, Lord, here's my life. I'm ready. I'm willing. Now, Lord, make me able. Would you do that while we all stand together? Father in heaven, we thank you for your loving kindness. We thank you, heavenly Father, that you're not only willing to save us, but willing to give us a part in your divine plan to use us as vessels of some kind or another, to use us to be a blessing to someone else and a voice to all of those that we come in contact with. And Lord, help us to leave here today with a bold determination to tell others about the greatness of our dear Savior. And Lord, for those that have yet to, to understand who He is and what He's done, may the Holy Spirit enlighten their mind and, and, and make ready their heart to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. And may this be the day and the time that they trust Him as their Savior. For we ask it all in His name. Amen.